Welcome in, everybody, to another All-22 Daily. I'm Chris Lombardi, and I'm joined by Ray Cotto. It is great to be back. We are, Ray, two weeks removed from the NFL draft? Almost. Almost. Stark days. Stark days. It's like, you know, the week after Christmas. It's like, yeah, it's kind of cool. Like, yeah, you got mini camps coming up. It's kind of like New Year's. It's like, yeah, it's like one thing to look forward to, and then it's just like a dreaded two-and-a-half-month stretch before training camp, and... It's like just a long winter. It's rough, man. Dude, I couldn't disagree more. This is like the fun time when you're starting to figure out how it all comes together, right? When you play like dynasty fantasy football, like all 22, you got to find the value, right? Like post-draft, it's like, go find the value. I did that already. I I, I did that in March. I did that in March. (laughs) You just know landing spots. Like landing (laughs) spots is half of it. Like all this stuff, all the stuff you and I talked about for the last month, that's half. This is the other half. It's we know where they are. It's the other half. I was done by by Saturday, eight PM Eastern. And <laughs> I had it all planned out already. I had I had all the values set. I'm good. You're good. All right. Well, all the values are set. And you know, I wanted to like go off on a little tangent real quick because so Ray and I are in a dynasty league that we've been doing for seven years with it's just traditional fantasy football, but like we wanted to redo it to try to make it like at the time it was like pre all 22 being like a, like a real live thing. We're like, we gotta, we gotta figure out a way to make this more realistic. So we wanted quarterbacks to be more valuable. So how did we do that? We were like, you have to start two quarterbacks. So like we're in a league where you start two quarterbacks and our draft was like this week. And I took Bijan Robinson fourth overall. Right. So like three quarterbacks went, I took Bijan fourth and all I'm sitting here going, is like, it's fun. It's fun, but it's just so not, it doesn't give me the feel of what I want, right? Like I'm drafting these guys and I'm going like, what are we doing? Right? Like every time I do that, it's just, what are we doing? And this morning uh, from the all 22 account, we tweeted the updates and positional weights, right? Because in all 22, it's more about value. You're supposed to find the value. And in all 22, the value is supposed to match NFL value. That's like, that is the best part. That is at least in my opinion, one of the best parts, right? It's, why are we drafting a running back four overall? And in most leagues, it's really first overall when there's offensive tackles out there that are going top six, right? There are quarterbacks and edge rushers going top five. That's how it should be, right? So in all 22, we are, we're going back towards that. And we posted this morning about tackle weights, right? Because every year the NFL starts paying these guys and that is the data that we are using to show you what the value of a tackle is, right? So every year we update the play, the positional weights with uh, with the new contracts. And that's how we are going to value the players in all 22. So Ray, tackles actually had a slight decrease. Tell us about why that happened. Yeah, and it's really because of quarterbacks just hogging everything, I think is really the, the gist of it, right? Um, most positions actually decreased in value and quarterback had a large increase, which we'll talk about probably during our quarterback episode in a bit more detail. Um, but offensive tackle, they they had a couple of free agents who signed some big deals this offseason, but there wasn't a marquee blockbuster type deal, right? So uh, Mike McGlinchey, five years, uh, 87.5 million. Uh, I don't know the exact math on that, but that's that's less than twenty million per year, right? Uh, Juwan Taylor with the Chiefs, four years, eighty million, uh, and then Orlando Brown uh, Jr. four years, sixty-four million. So only one of those contracts, those top three contracts for tackles, 
was for $20 million per year. And the APY was already, I think, averaging for the top five offensive tackle prospects at $22 million. So those contracts that were signed didn't move the needle as far as um, increasing the total number of the top contracts for tackles in the NFL. So these guys made money. They're big deals. They're more. They're some of the bigger free agent deals that took place this offseason, but it, it it didn't take enough of a share from some of the other big contracts that we saw at other positions to increase the value of tackle. Obviously, as we'll get into, tackle is still very important. I still think it's one, one of the top, what, three or four weighted positions in all 22, as it is in, in the NFL, right? And after your quarterback, you have your edge rushers, your tackles, and corners and receivers. Those are basically your, your handful of premium positions. And so tackle is still firmly in that mix. But it's just, it's just the math and the way that the math worked out. Those quarterbacks are hogging everything these days, and the weight in all 22 is no exception. Yeah, and when you look at the list of the guys at tackle that are making the most on an average per year basis, they are the older veterans, right? So it's Trent Williams, it's Bakhtiari, Larry Mitunzel, Ronnie Stanley, and Ryan Ramchak. So those are the five guys right now at tackle that have the highest salaries. And you're going to look at that list and go, hmm, like if I was starting a dynasty, dynasty league today, I don't know if any of those guys are the guys that would be at the top of my list. And it's because of age, right? Um there are a bunch of young tackles that are on the cusp of being paid, but haven't been paid yet. I think all 22 Bobby tweeted it this morning. Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, P Penny Sewell, Rayshon Slater, and Christian Derisau are all guys that have not been paid yet that will in the next year, year and a half, two years. We asked a question a little while ago on Twitter where we said, who's going to be the first $30 million tackle? And it happened with uh, Lane Johnson got a, it got an extension for one year. N not that his APY is over $30 million, but he got a year on his contract where he at, he has a $30 million year. But I think that some of the guys like Andrew Thomas, Wirfs, and Sewell, they can be 30 APY guys. Like, I think it's possible, right? And when, when that starts to happen, you're going to see your investment in tackle go up because the weights are going to go up. And what we're saying weights, we're saying weights, but what does that mean, right? So in all 22, uh, we use PFF grading, right? They, they grade on a one to 100 scale and we multiply that by a weight. So every week, right, you go into a game, uh, you have Andrew Thomas as your left tackle. He's going to spit out a PFF grade at the end of the week, right? So say Andrew Thomas got a 99 and say his weight was 10%, which it's not, but say it was, that would mean that you got 9.9 .9 points for that week. So it's just a simple multiplier. And the weight for tackle this year is going to be 4.77%. So it would be that 99 times 4.77. Not doing the math, just not that good at it. Um, but that's going to be your score in all 22. So super exciting. That's how we do it. And as you invest in these guys and as the NFL invests in these guys, they're just going to be more valuable to you. So once these guys get paid, the position weight will go up in, in following years. And uh, it'll just have that much more of an impact on your team. So pretty fun. So it's a different way of doing it again. But, uh, you know, for me, that's the most exciting thing about this is I'm sick of giving the value to the wrong positions. Not that Bijan Robinson isn't valuable, but I, I take Andrew Thomas three times before I would even consider taking a guy like Bijan. Yeah, those young tackles are going to really set the market in, in the next couple of years. Um like you said, there's there's the older guys, right, who have signed the bigger contracts. I call them older, right? They're probably late 20s, early 30s types. 
And then you just have this handful of guys that are 23 years old and under even that have taken the league by storm these last few years that have really performed well, and they're going to be due for some big money. We see with the TV contracts, the schedule's coming out later this week. The value's only going up uh, from here with the salary cap and everything else, and those guys are going to command a big share of that, and that's where you're going to see tackle probably get more than their fair share moving forward. Right, and we talked about some of those young guys, Andrew Thomas, Worth, Sewell, Slater, Darisau. And when we go to do the rankings, um, we take into a lot of components, take into account a lot of components. So age is a big one, but we look at grading. We look at the past three years of grading. We look at the past few years of snap counts. We look at draft position. We look at the surroundings, right? Who's playing next to them? Who's the quarterback calling out uh, blitzes for them? Different things like that. So there's a ton that goes into that. And um, I don't have it in front of me. Let me pull it up. But this year, our rankings were Andrew Thomas was our number one. Penny Sewell was two. Tristan Wirfs was three. Slater was four. Darisau was five. Mylotta was six. Trent Williams was seven. Larry Mitunzel was eight. Caleb McGarry was nine. And Colton Miller was 10. So that's a really good group and a lot of young talent really coming up. I think it was surprising to me right after last year, I remember fighting fighting with you and Bobby being like, no, Trent Williams is still the number one. He's got to be the number one. And here I am a year later. And I'm like, you know what? He might be number seven. There's some really good tackles in the league right now. But Ray, how did we, how did you, I guess, how do you differentiate guys like Andrew Thomas, Sewell and Tristan Wirfs? By putting Rashawn Slater above all of them, uh, <laughs> probably for starters. Um, it's no, it's, it's to the point where they're, they're all so talented that they're, it's it's hard to really tear them. I, I really do. And maybe it's just a matter of you look at their situation and their surroundings and go moving forward. I kind of like this this situation better than that. So I'm picking, you know, I'm picking whoever. I, I, I like I like uh, Andrew Thomas in that scenario or, you know, whatever the case may be. I think I think that's how you have to do it because you can't really fault anybody for having one of those names over the other, whichever order you have them in, right? Um I love Slater. If someone said that they have worse over Slater, okay, cool. I get it. Same thing with Andrew Thomas. Yeah, I get it. Cool. It's it's just your flavor of ice cream. And at the end of the day, if, if you're in a startup and you get one of those guys, one one of those top handful of tackles, whichever one it is, you're you're happy and you made you made out. So, um, you know, it, it's one of those deals where it's no sense in in losing sleep over one or the other and. What's the term splitting hairs? No, no need to split the hairs there and, and get too far in the weeds. Yeah, I think there's a there's six, right? I think the line, you know, if you want one of those top young tackles, I think that that drop off is a little bit strong at six, right? Because that's when the guys either start to get a little bit older, or you start feeling a little less secure with them. Um, but yeah, like an Andrew Thomas, right? He's a guy that now has a few years with the same quarterback. The quarterback just got signed to a longer deal. They invest in a John Michael Schmitz at center. So they're, they're building that, right? Evan Neal is going to be at his second year at right tackle. You kind of like what they're doing, right? They add a speedy receiver in, in Hyatt to get the ball out quicker for Daniel Jones. It's all good all good things. Where you look at a guy like Tristan Wirfs, who maybe has a little bit more consistency to his grading so far, but loses Tom Brady, who has been there essentially his entire career and is the best player of all time, potentially. Um, and, you know, that's that's scary, right? You might say, like, again, we're splitting hairs. There's so much that goes into it. But when you have to finally make a decision on what's going to be the separator, it's things like that that go into it. And then Sewell, right? Sewell's two years younger than the rest of them and is already grading almost just as well as they are. So 
Uh, gotta love that. Gotta love what that offense is doing, right? They go and add, you know, a top running back. They add uh, a really good tight end that can that can ex- excel in both the receiving and blocking games. So all things you, you like, right? And then it's and then it's a Slater, right, who had an injury, but as a as a rookie was just elite already. So gotta really like him. But yeah, it's exciting. I could talk about this stuff forever, but that's not the point of this podcast. So I'll try to keep it moving. Uh, how did you feel about Trent Williams being at seven? It's just an age thing. And I think I think he and I are the same age now, so I kind of get it, right? When you get to a certain point, you just kind of get tossed to the side and everybody looks for the, the new <laughs> shinier object. It's just, it's just one of those things you have to deal with in life as you get older. So uh, I get it, but I think I think Trent Williams will deal, and I think he'll be just fine. He'll probably grade this season better than seventh, but we're trying to build teams here for the long term, or at least most of us are, and so I get it. Cool. All right, so let's jump into rookies because that's really where the fun of this comes in. Uh, we wanted to talk about which rookie landing spots we we like the most at tackle. Um, so Ray, you you start us off. Just give me your your top guy. Who do whose landing spot did you like the most as? one of the top prospects that we were looking at. As far as landing spots go, I, I, I like uh, Darnell Wright and and his landing spot there in Chicago. If they place him over there at right tackle, he's going to be next to Nate Davis, who's been a pretty consistent guard now, who's still pretty young and in the prime of his career, but has four years under his belt at this point. So you're talking about a veteran there um, who's had just consistently right around 70 grades moving forward, consistently in the top 20, top 25 of all guards in the league. So that's that's a good situation there to to sort of be next to. Um, yeah, he's a raw player. He being Darnell Wright, still still pretty raw. I think there's some power to his game that hasn't necessarily translated to consistent run blocking, um, but the tools are there, and obviously that's going to be sort of what's needed in that Bears offense. Yes, they got DJ Moore, and probably going to air it out a bit more uh, to give them some more balance, but. Uh, the identity of that offense, right? What Fields gives you, and and what they've had success with in the in the last couple of years is that ground game, and I think being a you know having that power in his toolbox, I think uh, when Wright puts it all together, he he can really fit well into that offense, and being next to a veteran there, I think will help with that. Such an interesting pick to me because you know I, I was very vocal about him not being one of my guys, uh, but you see him go to a run first offense. And usually that takes a lot of pressure off of young tackles or just tackles in general, right? Guy, a quarterback that can run the ball means that they have to, you know, maybe play at home instead of just coming hard with the blitz. Um, so it's usually a good thing. It was an interesting pick because Darnell Wright is much better with his pass blocking ability than his run blocking. Uh, he he graded out in the low 60s basically his entire career as a starter at Tennessee. Um does it mean that maybe the Bears are going to try to throw the ball more, right? They go and get DJ Moore, add to that receiving group. Are they, you know, and I wouldn't blame them. I wouldn't blame them because if you look at teams that have a run first quarterback, it's not necessarily, you're not really seeing them go deep into the playoffs. And if you want to buck that change, you need your guy to be able to throw the football. So is that what they're trying to do with the Darnell Wright pick? Or do you think he's going to really just develop into an all around tackle? I think they're gonna I think I think they're still gonna lean on that run game a bit and and he's just gonna have to develop that that uh, that run blocking more consistently. And I think he can, right? And then you look at the rest of that division. I mean he he could block Lucas Van Nessel, wouldn't you agree? So um, <laughs> but uh yeah, I, I think they're still gonna lean on that run game. He's just gonna have to adapt. He's he's a pro now and it's just it's what you gotta do. There there is no uh 
you know, sort of hiding deficiencies at this point. It's, Hey, you're, you know, we, we invested a high pick in you. It's, it's your time to shine. We got a vet next to you. So go out there and get him. I think, uh, you know, like I said, I think he can do it. Is he probably going to grade the most consistently as a rookie? No, but looking long-term with the upside that he has to be in a situation with a young up and coming quarterback, you have now sort of, uh, you know, a top flight receiver there in DJ Moore to sort of balance out the offense, maybe lighten up the box a little bit to make things easier on the eyes pre-snap for a tackle. I think those things bode well for him in his formative years, so to speak, to develop as the rest of the game, his game sort of catches up to his physical tools. Sure. You said he's a pro now, and I thought you said he's a pronoun, and I was like, "Did like I don't know what you mean, but okay. Um, I don't want to talk about Paris Johnson Jr. because he's not my guy, but what I will say is I thought that was a great pick for Arizona, but I didn't necessarily think that was the best place for him, right? Like if I w- had to hand choose a place for him to land because I thought he was the best tackle, it's probably not one of those places that I would pick. Although again, if I'm Arizona, I am so happy about this. And if I'm Kyler Murray, if I have Kyler Murray shares, I'm so psyched about that placement. But the guy I wanted to talk about was Broderick Jones going to Pittsburgh. Uh, just a really great piece going to a great team. Um, this is a team that kind of, you know, you hear they just they can't lose, right? They've, they haven't had a losing record in how many years? You don't know. Um, and it's really just because it's great coaching, coaching with Mike Tomlin. Uh, but Broderick Jones is really that missing piece that they they had on that offensive line. If you look at it left to right, it's it's full of just these intriguing pieces that are you know, maybe average to slightly above average. And then the tackle spots were just really weak and it was holding that team back. They had a guy like Broderick Jones, who's just, who's just a mauler, right? We talked about how he's a guy that just likes to get physical. Um, and he, and he's a rough dude. Love that. Love that for Pittsburgh, right? That's exactly what a Pittsburgh Steeler is. You, you pair him with a good running back, right? A guy that can, can be brutal himself, right? Najee Harris isn't afraid of taking on contact can also help out as a blocker, which is good for a young tackle. So I love that. And then the quarterback, Kenny Pickett. No, he's not the best quarterback in the league, but he's a really mature quarterback for a young quarterback. And he gets the ball out in under three seconds, right? So that's huge for a tackle in uh, a young tackle in the NFL. So I love that place for him. Um, I think if I was betting on anybody to to exceed pre-draft expectations, I think he's the guy that I would put my name on. I just thought about, I wonder what the Steelers are going to do. Darnell Washington, just sort of looking at their lineup here. I could see Darnell Washington lining up next to Jones here, kind of a a Georgia Bulldogs reunion here. And if they do that, I mean, those two are going to move people. That's a lot of power. Uh, I talked about power in Darnell Wright's game. I mean, Broderick Jones has a lot of power too, as far as, as far as I'm concerned. So, um, yeah, they, if they get back to just sort of moving people, just straight up moving people in the run game, I think Jones is built for that. I think he's like all rookies and young players, he's going to have some warts, but um, I'm just excited to watch him move people. Yeah, for sure. So, so Ray, did you have a sleeper in this tackle class? Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of people are talking about the, uh, one Oklahoma Sooner in particular being Anton Harrison, but uh, Wanye Morris is someone to sort of just stash away. Uh, he's a- another tackle that's athletic. He's got good length. He's an explosive athlete, uh, but there's some there's some sort of roughness around the edges there that need to be figured out and maybe not all just on the field. There was some, I think was suspended a game or two at Oklahoma this past season and so forth. So he kind of fell to the late third round uh, in the draft last weekend. 
but the tools are there and he goes to Kansas City, which is just a great situation for a young player like that who may need to get a bit acclimated to the pro game because Kansas City, um, not only did they go ahead and sign Juwan Taylor, but they also signed to a one-year deal Donovan Smith to play left tackle. And that's that's a one-year deal. So you're talking about another veteran who's going to go in there and start right away. You're not relying on Wanye Morris right away. He can sort of sit that one year, get acclimated to that offense, get acclimated to being a pro. And if he shows some good things, then he can go ahead and step into the starting lineup in 2024. And so with him having that late third round draft capital and the current situation over there in Kansas City where he's not expected to start, he could probably be had late in rookie drafts and also late in startups where things really start to get thin and you don't really love your options when you're trying to round out your depth chart uh, in those like mid to late 40s, maybe you know early 50th round or so. There ain't going to be much left. So you might be looking to stash someone with some upside instead and just sort of revisit it in 2024. And I think that's where someone like Wanye Morris can kind of slip through the cracks. And if you're paying attention, you might be able to pick him up and get a bit of a steal there. Hard to root against anybody the Chiefs pick, right? Especially on the offensive line after they had steals like Creed Humphrey um, and Trey, Trey Smith, right? So a couple guys that just, you know, came out of nowhere if you if you weren't really looking. Um, so definitely, yeah, love that fit. The guy that I wanted to talk about just really quick was Blake Freeland to the Colts in the fourth round. So a guy that had all the college production in the world, right? He had 2,600 snaps, almost 2,700 in college, uh, was essentially a four-year starter for BYU. So not really the biggest school out there, not not necessarily the best competition, but he did did have some, you know, tough matchups, you know, played Notre Dame, Isaiah Foskey, and had an 85.5 pass block grade that game. So talking about a guy that has faced competition and done really well there. Uh, he's 6'8", 300 pounds. He's, he's massive, right? But still ran under a five-second 40. So he's an elite athlete um, and love that, right? When you're looking at the Colts offensive line now, you're looking at, uh, you know, Quentin Nelson. You got Kelly at center. Um, and then you have, you know, you have Smith at tackle, Braden Smith at tackle. So those are the three guys that you really feel good about. But then there's Bernard Ryman at left tackle, and then uh, you have uh, Will Fries at right guard, and you know maybe you're not feeling so good about those guys. Uh, I think I think Freeland could eventually step into either situation, left tackle or right guard, and I think whoever wins the left tackle battle, uh, the other guy will end up probably being the right guard. So, you know, when you're talking about uh, taking an offensive lineman in the from a from the fourth round of the NFL draft. You know, if he ends up becoming a great starter at right guard, I think you're fine with that, right? That's that's still really a good thing for you. Um, but I but I actually like his chances at left tackle, and uh, you know, I like it especially because you know he has an 87.3 run blocking grade as a senior, and was a great run blocker throughout college. He was a great pass blocker too, but he was really strong in the run game. And now you insert Anthony Richardson, you have Jonathan Taylor, you know they're going to be running the hell out of the ball. Uh, you have Mo Ali Cox as your tackle, as, as your tight end, who can help out the young tackles, right? So you love that. So really excited about that landing spot. He's a guy I would definitely take a flyer on as well. Yeah, I'm. A lot of people say guard. I'm a little leery just because. Uh, I mean, I don't view six, eight, three hundred pound guys as guards, right? Regardless of their style to, style of play, that's that's very tall, right? It's tough to get mm -hmm. underneath those defensive tackles there on the inside. But the way I see it. I mean, yes, someone else could have eyes and see things differently and, and, and so forth, and that's great. But I'm looking, and I, I don't think Bernard Raymond 
from what I've seen, would, would keep him out of uh, that left tackle spot if that's what he's going for and that's where the Colts put him. Uh, that's that's one where I think that's easily up for grabs and something he could take and run with. So, uh, yeah, that's I'm excited for the prospects there for Freeland at tackle. If, if that's a true battle, I, I, I wouldn't bet against him. Cool. All right, well. That's kind of the changes so far. We, we you know, we, we're post draft. We have we have a lot to talk about. We're talking about weights changing. We're talking about new rankings. We're talking about the rookies and their impact. Uh, so yeah, stay stay in touch because uh, we're going to be releasing it daily. So thank you everyone for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all twenty two underscore pff and leave us a review wherever you listen or watch your podcast. And thank you for tuning in. Yeah.